As I was uh, listening to Steve play that song, number one, I, I really paid attention when I gave him piano lessons, so that's good news. Um, uh, but a couple months ago, he and I were talking, and uh, we were talking about the journey, I think, in the last number of years in our friendship and around God, and um, I think there's a very important reality that we talk about here, and I just want to keep talking about, and that is our understanding of God affects everything. And at the core of who God is and who God wants to be in your life and how God wants you to, to breathe life and lead from and relate from is that God is love. That defines who God is, and everything flows out of that. So I, I say that, especially as we enter into Psalm 32. We're going to, um, in Lent, we're going to do a series in the lectionary. Who's ever heard the word lectionary? Raise your hand. More than the first service, which is great. The lectionary is a tool that a lot of churches use to um, read scripture and preach from. And over the course of three years, as you do an Old Testament thing, a New Testament uh, epistle from Paul and a psalm or proverb each week. Over the course of three years, you go through the whole of the Bible. In some ways, it's really cool. And so we're, we're just going to use it during Lent here, and we're going to focus specifically on the Psalms. And uh, for me, it's pretty neat. I've never done a series through the Psalms. So uh, we are going to sit in poetry. And poetry is a little different, right? It's different than just writing someone a factual letter and taking it in. Poetry is meant to be received in a different way. So we're going to talk down through it, read through it, and break it down. But then at the end, we're going to hear it and hear what it says as we sort of take it in as the author meant it to be taken in. And this morning, you see the word behind me each week. We're going to try and sit with a word from it. We're going to talk about the word confess. So as a practice, I would love if you would turn to your neighbor and just confess your deepest sin in the last 24 hours. Um, Preferably someone you don't know, make it really awkward. Um, The word confess is not like, oh yeah, we're talking confession, this is going to be great. Um, But I think, especially from this passage, there's a beauty to the word confess and something that we can sit with. And I want to say Psalm 32 is a psalm of David's some... I uh, think it's a, a, around the issue of Bathsheba where he'd really fallen into sin and had committed adultery and murder. Uh, whether it's about that or not, it's about brokenness and sin and the need of confession and forgiveness with God. And it's about our relationship to God. There's a lot of passages that are about interpersonal stuff, but I want you this morning, no matter who you are, just to say this is about you and God. Don't think about the person next to you and uh, that whole thing. Just think, what does this mean in my relationship with God. Because I think when we talk about forgiveness and we talk about confessing, that it resonates with what is so true about the Christian story. That part of the Christian story is we believe, even though we were made good, that all of us have sinned. And there's something in all of us that needs sort of fixing, right? No matter where you are on the journey, you may not even be a Christian. And, and you could probably name with me, I've never had anybody sort of argue this, the fact that we're, we're somewhat messed up. That in relationships we've messed up. And if we sort of see that there's a divine being outside of us, that that relationship is maybe messed up. And it points to this inner reality that we are broken. We are sinners. And uh, I think this psalm can speak to that in some absolutely, absolutely beautiful ways. Because no matter what David's sin was in this psalm, he had a lot of stuff that he needed to confess to God. And so do we. Can I get an amen? Let's pray. Jesus. 
as we approach your word. God, I pray that my words would be honoring to you and that we would hear your word. Your good word that may be challenging but is always hopeful. So speak by the power of your spirit. All God's people said, Amen. We are going to, like I said, we're going to sort of read down through, break it down, take away some things. But then at the end, I just want to read it over you. So starting in verses 1 and 2, it says this. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin sin the Lord does not count against them in whose spirit is no deceit. These first couple of verses are around this idea where David is saying there is a blessing when one receives forgiveness. There's three words that are used for sin here. It's it's interesting. One is the word transgression, which simply means rebellion against God, any type of willful rebellion against God. Then you have the second word, which is sin, which we often see translated this idea of sin. And sin is just simply missing the mark, not doing what you were created to do. Then the third word, in some of your translations, is translated iniquity, but it's really deceit. It's willful deceit. Against God, which is interesting. It takes you back to Genesis 1 and 2 where they sinned and they thought they could hide from God. It's this willful trying. I know I've done something and I'm trying to hide from God. But the point, the beautiful point about this passage is it doesn't matter what type of sin or brokenness it is. The point of the passage is receiving with open arms the forgiveness, this peace that can only come from God. And those are so connected, so important for us to understand that forgiveness is receiving this idea that God doesn't forgive and forget, neither can we. God forgives and promises not to hold it over our heads, right? That's huge. That's as divine as it gets. And the opposite of forgiveness is this living with with this lack of peace. If you ever have been in that situation, which we all have been as my guests, and some of us are in now, where you're in some type of relationship with another person or with God with unconfessed sin, it's just, it's baggage, right? Remember when I was in kindergarten, and this hopefully will shock you, I stole a bike in kindergarten. And uh, same reaction to the first service, you're supposed to be a little shocked that your pastor would steal a bike. But I was hanging out with my, my brother and a couple of his friends, and they sort of pushed me into stealing this bike. And I, I, I can vividly remember those couple of days before I got caught, and getting caught was like, thank God. But those couple of days where it's just like, the weight is on you. What's going to happen? Am I going to go to jail for life for this? I mean, it's just, you know what I'm saying, right? And for some of you this morning, you know what that feels because you have unconfessed sin. With God and there's this lack of peace, there's shame, there's guilt, there's a weight that sits around it. And it's interesting, Paul quotes Psalm 32 in Romans chapter 4. He says this, Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David said the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. And the point of that passage in Romans and the point of our passage is still the same thing. But the good news 
is that because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, our sins are covered and the guilt and the shame that comes with that has been freed and that burden has been taken by God. And that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is the lifting of that off, saying you do not have to live with the shame and the guilt and all that comes with that. It's similar to what we read in 1 John 1, 8, where it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. I love that line. So true, right? If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But here's the promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, will promise to not to hold them over our head and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The point of this passage, and as we talk about the confession, the point is receiving the forgiveness. Let's keep reading in verses three to five. Verse 3 says this, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the summer heat. It's it's interesting. It's almost a play off of Psalm chapter 1 where it talks about the wise man. And in verse 3 of Psalm 1 it says, The person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in the season and whose leaf does not wither. So the person that David is in this setting where he has unconfessed sin, he feels like he's a leaf on a dry, humid, hot day that's just withering up and dying. You know it, right? You know when you have the guilt of unconfessed sin in your life, how it feels. It's almost like you are actually dying is what David's saying here. And verse 5, Then I acknowledge my sin to you. Did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. David's experience, sort of as he's learning lessons from life, which hopefully we all do, David's experience here is that unconfessed sin is like a festering sore. Right? We don't talk about this a lot in church because it's a little bit on the uncomfortable side that some of us, a lot of us, maybe sit here with unconfessed sin to God and it's eating away, it's tearing, it's gnawing at us. David says, I've experienced that, I've been there. It's interesting, I've mentioned it before that I get to have a number of friends um, in the recovery community. And part of getting whole, part of really dealing with your brokenness and dealing with your addiction is a step five. And the step five is this, that we admit to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Sounds heavy. Sounds a little bit like, what that? Now you're... But when that weight is lifted off, something happens. It's intriguing. This word for confess can also be translated thanksgiving. That there's this correlation that, that, that sort of happens, that it's both laying it out there, naming it what it is, and putting it before God so that we can receive that forgiveness. But it's also this, this freeing, joyous act where we are naming who God is and that he can actually enter into all of our lives and forgive whatever it is. There's some joyous sort of act that goes or or, or posture that goes with this whole idea of confessing. It's intriguing. Again, the author, David, uses the same three words for sin. It doesn't matter what you did. It's not the point. 
The point is naming it and receiving this good forgiveness that comes from God. Let's keep reading in verse 6 and 7. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will reach them. And, and most often in the Old Testament, you see waters or sea, it's associated with bad things. It's associated with evil. And David is, is sort of saying that I, I, I'm in this bad place. And at the end of the day, verse 7, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance that Things get hairy. Things seem bad. And often, just as James says in the New Testament, we put ourselves in those situations, right? Like, you can use the devil made me do it on occasion, but more often than not, you made you do it. And naming that and confessing it and putting it before God, receiving this joyful forgiveness and then also saying, I I believe at the end of the day that God is the one who has been around, who has protected me, that the faithfulness of God, this promise to not give us more than we can handle. Verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go and I will give you counsel with my loving eye on you. Verse 8 is this promise of wisdom. And here, here's what, and this is what I want you to walk away with this morning. There's a movement that's going on in this, this uh, psalm that they would have heard when they sang it at the temple and when they read it. But the movement is this. The first thing we do is we confess this thankful sort of God is so big and so good that he would actually forgive me. So confessing has this, this joyous, thankful thing tied to it. We name it before God. We joyfully receive forgiveness from God. That I don't care who you are or what you've done in this room. The God who died on the cross for your sins wants to forgive you. But then there's a movement that we often miss. And that's in verse 8 here. The movement is we go from confession to receiving forgiveness. And now we walk into wise living. So David really messed up. David got about as bad as it could be. Not only did he have the affair, he went ahead and killed the husband. Like things are looking pretty bad and he's, if that's what it is, he's processing that and thinking it through and he comes to the end of it and says, okay, it's confessing, it's receiving forgiveness, but it's also entering into wise living. Instruct, teach, counsel. God is going to watch over Andy Stanley did a recent series about wisdom and wise living, and he defined it this way. He says, wise living is this. So we go from confession to forgiveness to wise living. Wise living is this. In light of my past experience, my current circumstance, and my future hopes and dreams, I ask this question, what is the wise thing for me to do? And I, I would caveat that by saying, in light of who God is and what God teaches, and all that he just said, my past experience, my current circumstances, my future hopes and dreams, how do I wisely live in the here and now? Because often the act of confessing and the act of receiving forgiveness truly invites us into a different way of living. It should. It should invite us into a different way of living. And that's what David talks about. Verse 9. Do not be like the horse or mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. And this, this is, is David sort of processing his journey with God of often I'm the stubborn mule or the horse that needs to be so bridled and so perfectly directed to be able to do anything. The opposite, though, of what I want to be. 
which is a willing spirit who relates to and receives the grace and forgiveness that God has. And it's a willing posture towards God that we are open to confessing our sin. I think I might have mentioned a relationship series in fall, but the posture is a little bit like Tim Allen, the home improvement guy in his stand-up comedy back in the day, would say, I wake up every morning and I look at my wife and I ask her for forgiveness. Because I know at some point during the day I'm going to mess up. And it's a little bit like that, that we have this posture of, if you're not a Christian and you're coming and checking out the Jesus thing, Part of coming to Jesus is confessing our brokenness and sin and receiving the grace and forgiveness of God. And for those of us who've been a Christian a long time, it's the same journey, right? I still mess up. I'm still working through some of my brokenness. I still sin against God and others, and I have to confess. And that's what David is saying, that willing spirit that leads into that again and again and again. Verse 10. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds those who trust in him. And I love the end of that, the invitation. Confession, forgiveness, wise living, and at the core of it is this. Are you going to trust that God is the God that does that type of thing? That's what God wants you and me to live into, that that's the journey. And then he closes in, in, in a beautiful way. Think about that. You're talking about confession and forgiveness and wise living and David is just messed up, maybe major, maybe something small, but then at the end is verse 11 and he says this, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all of you who are of upright heart. That there is truly joy found in forgiveness. Like I, I think it, it, when we experience this, we worship when we experience the freedom that only God and Jesus Christ has to offer, the only posture I have is to get on my knees and say, thank you, God. That when I confess, when I lay it out there, that you joyfully forgive us and there's just this entry into wise living and it's such a good and beautiful thing. So this... Wednesday, if you're at Ash Wednesday, there'll be a re- this will be a repeat for you, but I think it was so good. Um, I shared, I was, I was trying to think about how do you, we, we've never done Ash Wednesday here, how do you talk to five-year-olds and those of us that are older than five around what Ash Wednesday is and, and help us understand it. And I, I found a blog by a lady named Kara Powell. She teaches at Fuller, has written this book called Sticky Faith that, that has really influenced a lot of us. And Kara was talking about Ash Wednesday and talking about how do I explain it to my seven-year-old? And uh, she put it around five words that I think sum up this psalm and specifically sum up verse 11. So the five words are these. And, and, and if you're wondering about the whole Jesus thing, it's, it's a summary of God's story. The first G is good. That we are created in God's image. Second G is guilt. Is that our sin and our guilt to separate us from God. Third G is grace, that God couldn't stand that separation. So God sends Jesus, God sends himself that we have, might have real life now and in the future, eternal life. God's people is the third one. Then I love the last one. This is the one I want to sit with. That when we, we sort of start getting this story and trust in the story of God, gratitude. We serve and obey, and she put it here in practice Lent, not to make God like us more. Or love us more. But because we're so grateful for all that God has done for us. 
And that's Psalm 32, friends. If you're checking it out or if you've been around it a long time, we need the reminder that we can, in a weird way, joyfully confess our sin to God, receive the forgiveness that is beyond imagination, that God would know the worst thing you've done and would not hold it over your head. And then out of that, we start to live in wise ways around God's word and around our past experiences. And the result is transformed people of God who are living to God's glory. Let's pray. God, as we pray, I read Psalm 32 over us. How happy is the one whose wrongs are forgiven whose sin is hidden from sight. How happy is the person whose sin the eternal will not take into account. How happy are those who no longer lie to themselves or to others. When I refused to admit my wrongs, I was miserable, moaning and complaining all day long so that even my bones felt brittle. Day and night, your hand kept pressing on me. My strength dried up like water in the summer heat. When I finally saw my own lies, I owned up to my sin before you. I did not try to hide my evil deeds from you. I said to myself, I'll admit all my sins to the eternal. And you lifted and carried away the guilt of my sin. So let all who are devoted to you speak honestly to you now while you are still listening. For then when the floods come, surely the rushing water will not even reach them. You are my hiding place. You will keep me out of trouble and envelop me with songs that remind me I am free. I will teach you and tell you the way to go and how to get there. I will give you good counsel. I will watch over you. Don't be stubborn and stupid like horses and mules who if not reigned by leather and metal will run wild ignoring their masters. Tormented and empty are wicked and destructive people. But the one who trusts in the eternal is wrapped tightly in his gracious love. Express your joy, be happy in him, you who are good and true. Go ahead, shout and rejoice aloud, you whose hearts are honest and straightforward. Amen. Let's stand and worship.